This is Dan Gore. Welcome to the Icons Podcast. For more than 30 years, I've been involved in the art of female impersonations and celebrity impersonations. I've worked with some of the most amazing performers in our history. I've traveled around the world, producing and directing shows for corporate events, casting for TV and movies. But most impressive of all is getting to know some of the most amazing people ever to grace our industry. Best known to many as the art of drag. I've worked with and become friends with some of history's finest that have paved the way for many of today's current and upcoming performers. This is our chance to learn more about our drag history. This is Icons, Incredible Creations on Stage podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Dan Gore with Icons, Incredible Creations on Stage podcast. Welcome this week. I'm so excited to talk to a dear friend of mine that I met years ago. He is a legend in the realm of female impersonations. He was one of first few people that I met when I stepped into a venue called La Caja Fall in, on uh, La Cienega in Beverly Hills back in the late 80s. He hails from Texas and he's with us now. Please welcome my good friend, Mr. Wayne Smith. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Dan. How are you, darling? I am great. I'm so happy to have you here with me today to talk about your career. I'm pleased to be with anybody right now with what's going on. <laughs> I've been talking to my furniture. It's not fun. <laughs> we have a long history. I know. I mean, you know, as, I get, as I've gotten older, you know, I've reflected. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is, you know, I reflect on back when I first walked in La Cache Fall, you know, back in the late 80s. I would have never thought, like, 30 plus years later, I'd still be dealing with drag queens, let alone owning my own cabaret room and doing basically what I would see every night at La Caja Fall. And I think about all the people that set that tone or set that pace within me that I had no clue, you know, and, and seeing you perform there and seeing everything you've done. And it's just now looking back, it's like, wow, you know, these are like trailblazers and people that I want to talk to about their career and their upbringing. And that's why I asked you to do this. So I'm, I'm happy well, I, you're I'm here. I'm honored. I'm honored because believe <laughs> me, it changed my life completely. So if we can, just tell me about, uh, I think you're originally from Texas, correct? Or am I wrong? Right. Yeah, I was born in Texas and got out of it as quick as I could because it's a very Baptist-based state and it's very Republicanized and it's just horrible. So I got out of there as quick as I could and went to Hollywood. My older brother lived there and I thought that'd be a great place for me to go to college. And, and what year did you did you set foot in state California. Well, I got I was there earlier because I went, I went every summer to visit my brother, even when I was in school. But when I graduated high school, it was in 79. So I'm 180 years old right now. <laughs> but I graduated in 79. So I started fashion school in, in almost 80. And at that point, were you also doing drag too or no? No, no, okay. no. I'd done it. I, well, rewind. I did it the first time I ever did it, really. Dan was in the fourth grade. I did Edith Ann, Lily Tomlin's character from Laugh-In. And I borrowed an outfit from my aunt. I put chocolate around my mouth, put my hair in a ponytail and walked on stage and did this skit that was on my brother's uh, albums that I heard through my brother's bedroom wall. And I just imitated everything I heard, regardless of whether it was G-rated or R-rated. I told every joke and the principal was mortified. The kids loved me and I won. And I knew in the fourth grade, standing on that stage, I was destined to be an attention whore. <laughs> So, I've done that ever since. I really, I didn't. I just, I went to fashion school because I wanted to be the next Bob Mackie. So let's talk about that part. I mean, so when did you uh, learn about Bob Mackie? When I was a child, watching TV with Carol Burnett show and, and the Sonny and Cher show. So you fell in love with the clothes, obviously. You wanted to oh, design yeah. those clothes. So when you saw this Lily Tomlin character as well, was you think that was the first person that kind of really inspired you in a weird sense? Like you like, oh, know. let me try to impersonate that person. Let me try to be that Dan, person. Dan, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it was just a talent show. And I just, being a young gay child, I just zeroed in on something that I felt comfortable that I could have people laugh with me instead of at me. 
And so I think that's one reason I did it. But it wasn't really my first impersonation. That was much later. As a child, did you ever see anyone, a female impersonator on television? Yes, I saw Jim Bailey on Merv Griffin show. I saw Charles Pierce on TV and I saw different people. And I was always, my mouth was open. I couldn't believe it, but it never occurred to me that that was odd or different. It just, it was just amazing. And, and like, it was pure Hollywood to me. And when you saw Jim Bailey, was that probably the first person you saw? A first impression for many people. I think so. I think, I really think so. I remember seeing him, first time I saw him, I think was, he did Phyllis Diller on Merv Griffin. And then I saw him do Barbara Streisand. And I remember thinking, my God, that's just amazing to me. It never went through my mind that that's something that I would ever end up doing for the rest of my life. I mean, I've done this now since 1982. So we cut back to 79, moving to California. So had you done drag before you went to California? Um, Halloween. That's basically, I did Halloween. That's about it. Besides Jim Bailey, had you seen any female impersonators in bars in Texas? Because Texas is a uh, big drag state. Like it I, produces I a could. lot of drag. <laughs> I really went to fashion school before I was old enough to drink. So I really didn't get to go. And I didn't cheat and go in the bars. I really never did. I know that sounds stupid, but I really did not ever go to bars. The first bar I got to go to in Los Angeles was called The Odyssey. And it was on uh, Wilshire and Los Angeles, I believe. And uh, it was a bar where you could get in under, under the age of 21. And I went there and I remember seeing some drag queens in there. And I was thinking, wow, that's fun. That'd really be fun. And my friends were like, you should do that. We'll all do that for Halloween. We'll all dress up as women. To really put all this in perspective, I went to Fashion Institute of Mer Design and Merchandising in Los Angeles. And Bob Mackey was on the board of directors. We got to do a fashion show and I ended up finding the beating woman that did the beating for Bob Mackey, Helen Marler. And she was in a shop with Nolan Miller who did Dynasty and all the TV shows like this. I got to know them pretty well and we did a beaded outfit in my show and I got to talk to Bob and it was really incredible. I ended up working for Bob Mackey when he did his Bob Mackey originals, which are all the outfits that are sold in stores. This is pre-drag, uh, right? Can give a Yeah, right, right around the time I was gonna start. It was about 19, I would guess 80, maybe 80, 81. And Bob Mackey himself asked me what I was going to do for Halloween. He was going to New York to debut his first ever show as far as his line. And he still called from, from New York to check to see if my outfit was ready. And I thought that was just utterly amazing. He hired the lady that worked for MGM to do my hat. And he made the red dress that Marilyn Monroe wore for Gentlemen Prefer Blondes with Jane Russell from Two Little Girls from Little Rock. And I entered the contest, went to Studio One, and they had a huge contest and you had numbers and you had to win. And I won the contest that night. Everybody was approaching me going crazy. And it was like, <laughs> it was just, it was utterly like, it was sublime to me. I couldn't even believe it. How'd you yeah. get into drag that night? Did you do all yourself or did you have like no, a mentor to help you? he hired a makeup artist that actually did Marilyn's oh. face. And he hired a wig stylist to do my wig. He had everybody help me. He was so nice. And uh, she made an impression on Bob, on Bob. And at the sh yeah, <laughs> oh, I, I've got a book in there, autographed from him. And in the book, it says, to the amazing Wayne, love Bob. I mean, he really is, I, I consider him a dear friend. And I, he's, he's taught me a lot of things about being nice and being just professional. And I think that's something I, I, I've always respected in him. But that night, somebody actually asked me, and I'll tell you who it was, Clay Norse. <laughs> he did Barbara Streisand, so Bette Midler, different characters at Lacage. He said, you got to audition. We're doing a show in Florida, and they need a new cast. Lacage in Beverly Hills opened up in 83? Or when did, when did the Lacage, as I know it, in, in, on La Cienega open? You know, I'm not exactly sure. I know that we went to Florida in 83. 86, 85, 86. Okay. So I'm guessing this would have been about, I bet it would have been about 84, 85, probably when I was doing this. And that's when they said they needed another person to enter audition. They had auditions every Thursday. I remember, I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember. <laughs> every Thursday was auditions. We'd always go down and spook everybody, just spook and watch them. <laughs> 
that's terrible because I rooted for people. I mean, I was there when Brent Allen auditioned as Bette Midler. I was there when Nick Creighton tried out as Whitney Houston. I was there for a lot of the people, and I really cheered them on, and I was really excited. And, and of course, was... there were people. People would come in and try your characters, and you'd be like, "Oh yeah, no, no, you're not going to do it." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, it was Lakaja Fallwood. I mean, another reason why I want to do this podcast is because to talk about people that you know. I mean, pioneers in this industry, and people. I mean, the youngsters don't even know Lakaja Fall. It's very rare no, no. they have no. They anything. know Ariana Grande. They know nothing else. <laughs> so, I mean, Lakaja Fall was like the epitome of drag. So, if you worked at it a drag, it was the queen, RuPaul of the '80s. Yeah, if you worked I mean, in drag, I went after I worked there. I could get it in any place just saying, oh, I was a cast member at Lacage. Boom, you're in the door. It was the epitome and the, the height of, of career and female impersonation. If you worked at Lacage Fall, any of the, you know, it started, a lot of people don't know, it started in Beverly Hills way before it franchised and bloomed into so many cities around the world. But it started right. in Beverly Hills and uh, it was just- Well, it, you have it, to think one thing, Nan. When you're on stage and you look out and Lucille Ball is watching you on stage, you pretty much made it. I mean, it's, ne it's never been that way for a cabaret where every night, as I remember, there'd be a celebrity of some sort sitting in. Oh, yeah. Audience. Yes. I mean, I would go in the office every night before we worked to look on the list to see who was going to be there. I mean, <laughs> it was all, it never, never, like Nell Carter was always there. Lana Turner, uh, my next door neighbor, Estelle Getty. All these people were there all the time. Yeah, you mentioned Clay Norris. So Clay Norris was one of the original cast members of the Cosmo mm -hmm. Fall. And then, so he runs into you at the Studio One Halloween contest. Yep, and he said, you, you know, they're going to audition and you need two characters. And I thought, oh my God, who am I going to do? Well, my good friend, Eddie, was my roommate at the time in fashion school. And he said, Wayne, do Dolly Parton. She's from the South like I am. She has big titties and I love her. I went, okay, I don't have any <laughs> idea who this is. So he shot me, got me this video of he and Kenny and Dolly live and we watched it. And lo and behold, I did Dolly in there. <laughs> Maryland and got hired. So you went to, but that, that audition was for a tour before the, the college for, home? It was, okay. It was for the show in Florida at the Fountain Blue Hilton. And we were in the Laron room, which was the room where Judy Garland and Frank Sinatra had performed in the 50s. So it was an amazing, amazing. And we were put up in a beautiful townhomes right there on Collins Avenue. It was so, I was just talking to some people the other day that were in the show with me. And I said, we were so young and we really didn't respect what we were getting. We really didn't appreciate it. Wasn't we like really were, we were handed a, a gold plate with diamonds on it and we really didn't know it. I think as we get older, you, we see that a lot. I mean, gosh, at the age of 32, I had two casino shows running. I'm like, God, if I can have two casino shows running again, <laughs> never a chance. I'm telling you, right now, if you can have any, right now with this virus, you, you could have one. But it just came so easy. And I'd like, oh my God, and I'll, I'll do this any time of the year ever you know and it's like but once it's gone totally, it's gone yeah totally in awe of what you've done because i was in the room at lacage when you auditioned george michaels <laughs> i remember these i remember i can look back and i remember all these things it's like a little i have little tapes i can put in my brain right, and just yeah, play yeah, them yeah. but i remember all this i was a baby and just impressioned i mean i was just highly mentally you know, like imp impressionized me for the rest of my life obviously you like i, you I know never what got you really were you know what you really were dan you were drag struck Drag struck, yeah, yeah. You were. You weren't starstruck, but you were drag struck. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I had worked with so many real girl impersonators that were far worse than any of the boys drove circles around them. All the female impersonators were 20 times better than the real girls. And I had worked well, real with- Real girls, to me, I've always said this, and I, I, I mean, I, I, I probably get flack, but like if a girl wants to impersonate Cher, she says if she has black hair, she's Cher, she doesn't care. She doesn't have to worry about the makeup or try to, to transform herself into something that she's not. She just thinks, well, she's a woman and she has black hair. So she's share, or if you're blonde, you're Marilyn Monroe. No matter what, just put a little beauty mark on. Yeah. They don't take the yeah. extra level they to study it and really learn it. Of course. So when you went to the Florida show, how long were you there before you made your way back to LA? We were there a little over a year and a half, and we came back to California. And I pulled the diva card on Lou because 
Lou Pasiocco was the producer and owner of Lacage, And he said, Wayne, I want to put you in the show in Hollywood, but I want you to be only Dolly. Well, I'd already done Marilyn Monroe and Dolly in Florida. And so I was already the grand diva, honey. I was the best ever. Because you know what? If you get one taste of the pe- of the pineapple, you're never going to give it up. So I said, well, if I don't do Marilyn, I'm not going to come work for you. I'm going to go get a job somewhere else and do something. I'll just get out of the business. And I really played hardball, like hard poker. And two days before I would have gone to the, to the Lacage to start in Hollywood, he called me on the phone and said, make sure you have your Marilyn costume with you. And so he took somebody out that was causing trouble. I don't know, name any names, but he took him out and put me in as Marilyn and Dolly. To be Marilyn in that show, Dan, was unbelievable, the deal. Because everywhere you go in Hollywood, Marilyn's on coffee tables, ashtrays, toilet paper, everything. So and what year was that? What year did you join that cast? In that, that would have been 87, 86, 87, probably. And who was in that cast at the time? Do you remember when you uh, joined it? Clay Norse, Pia Van Doren, Bobby Etienne, Busty O'Shea. Trying to think, David Michaels was put in it a little after me. I was there before David, but he joined it shortly after. That's about that's about the whole cast, I think. I'm not thinking. I'm th- thinking I'd leave and anybody out. How many days a week? How many shows? Um, we did um, eight day. shows a week. We did we did six nights a week, but we did two on Friday, two on Saturday. So it was a lot. And the first and you have to also remember too, if we had two shows, we had like an hour and some odd in between. We would go do other shows like at Spago and at people's homes. I did a big party for Brandon Tartikoff, who was the president of NBC Studios. Nell Carter hired a bunch of us. We went in a limo, went to this house built out over the still. Oh, still. I stepped on the stairs where you pers- get your coat and go down into the living room. The back door was open and my skirt blew up for Marilyn. Absolutely perfect. The next day she sent me two dozen red roses and said, you are perfect. I thought, I didn't fart the dress up. It just blew up with the wind. <laughs> but it was little things that you just look back and remember. It was really fun. So when you first start performing there, do you remember who the first celebrity was that you got to perform for? No, but the first one sticks in my mind in Florida. We weren't open yet. We had a big Thanksgiving uh, dinner at the Fountain Blue and the Musses that owned the Fountain Blue, Miss Maureen and, and I can't remember his name, but Maureen Muss invited us to his dinner and we sat down and there was an empty chair next to me and then there was a and Lou was sitting there was some other people and, and other people and Milton Burrow came and joined us for dinner and unfortunately Milton Burrow talked a lot <laughs> so he talked and he talked and our food got cold and colder <laughs> and he talked and talked and the food got even colder. I do remember that. And I remember calling my mother and saying, Mom, I had dinner with Milton Burrow. She said, Mr. Television? I said, Mo, Mother, Milton Burrow. She said, his nickname was Mr. Television. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. I didn't know all this. When you so were in really the college crazy. back in Los Angeles, then let me know which celebrity... I know some of you guys became friends with the celebrities. So impression that was laid upon you by a celebrity that you actually be- created a friendship with. I loved Nell Carter was really, really one of the nicest of all. She was just adorable. She was so sweet and so nice. And then I have to go with my next door neighbor, Estelle Getty. I mean, I lived next door to her for five years. So she was a really dear friend of mine. I mean, I know her like, I miss her like family. In fact, when she passed away, I couldn't watch the Golden Girls on TV. It was like watching home movies with loved ones. If, if mm-hmm. they pass, it's hard to watch because your heart just hurt. That was hard on me because she really was like family to me. She told me so many things and, and taught me so many things. She One lesson she always told me, she said, if you're dumb, dumb when you're young, you're going to be dumb when you're old. <laughs> and I thought, that is just the best thing I've ever heard. She was just a wonderful lady. I have so many memories of her. You begin uh, L.A., you know, you, you got hired for Florida. You ended up in the L.A. Cabaret, La Caja Fall. And how right. long were you there? I know you guys traveled many places. So Well, we, the- went, we, went on, we went on a, a bus tour once. Stories among stories. I can't even tell some of them really in, out loud. But there was so many 
things that happened on that story. That t- we went 14 cities in 17 days. So we would pack up a show right after to head to the next one. And our bus driver was old and kind of not a real good driver at night. <laughs> so I had my boyfriend drive with, go with us because I just got a boyfriend. I did not want to lose him. So I demanded that he work on the crew. So he, they hired him to help load and unload. So he did do some stuff, but he had to go with us. He would set up with the driver so he wouldn't crash in the night <laughs> and kill us. I mean, it was spooky. But uh, I was there until uh, right at, I would say, from 86 to probably 90, 91, whenever it closed. And then I went back and then another producer took over and I went back again. So I can't really pinpoint. I t- I'm writing my autobiography right now. And in the front of my book, I said, if anybody can put this in chronological order, I will bring you your Nobel Peace Prize. I can't remember <laughs> that. Dates just go right out of my head. But you were working during the time at La Cajapa. Were you also working with Bob Mackey as well or no? Didn't I did it, uh, at the very beginning, but I couldn't do both. It was just too, I, I really, because you have, you have to think, you're up late at night and you're up morning rehearsing and you're doing different things. It's really hard to have a regular job doing other things too. So I did have to give that up. Remind me. So then there was a trip. You, did you ever go to, to Asia, to Japan? No, I did okay. not do the Asia trip. I, I didn't do that because they needed me in Hollywood and I stayed. But you did do a trip to, I think, Vienna. I went to Austria. Yes, I was there for... You went with Jasmine, right? I remember. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah, we all went over there. That was amazing. That was unbelievable. I mean, we were treated like celebrities. We we even got to a big house, big party at a whorehouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing that we actually came back alive. <laughs> yeah, I heard wild stories about that, but uh, that's still amazing to think back about how drag, you know, the experience that drag created, you know, for mo- many of you guys, you know, it's oh, a, I mean, it, I, the memories I have to are think too. And I, and plus, Dan, I got I was one of the first. I only well, Gypsy obviously was the first, but I was one of the first cast members. Got many parts on TV shows and a lot of people didn't get that kind of stuff. I mean, I was on Blossom, WKRP in Cincinnati. I was on The New Adam 12. I was on TV, all kinds of talk shows. I mean, I was on game shows. I was on Hollywood Squares. People would come in there that were part of the industry and back then in the 80s, the Kaj was like the place, the it place to go and and a lot of casting people, the internet didn't really exist. So to see something different and new, they would walk into the Kaj Fall in La Cienega and they would just write parts for you guys or write a Uh storyline in with you guys from the show. And it was just an amazing time back then. And now they just watch RuPaul and say, oh, I'll have that girl in there. Right. It really was. It was, a, it was a time that'll never be back again. It, like a lot of things, things will never be revisited. You'll maybe have a new revamped version of it, but it won't be the same magic. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you're never going to have a room where we had a party for Milton Berle at, at Lacage, and every person in that room was either celebrity or a wife or husband of. I mean, everybody, Johnny Carson, Frank Sinatra, everybody was in that room that night. Amazing. I mean, that was when I got to meet Lucille Ball, and I was tied, tongue-tied. I couldn't even talk. And did you get a chance to, I know you impersonated Lily Tomlin in fourth grade. Didn't Lily come in there? Did you ever meet I Lily? I never got to meet Lily, no. Okay. My friend Eddie got to meet Lily. She went in when he was there, and I wasn't there when he, when he got to meet her. And what do you think the most memorable part do you have a m- most memorable night would have been Milton Berle's birthday or mo- one of your most memorable nights at La Caja Fall working there um some of the funnier stories really I mean I, I mean one thing that sticks out in my mind Daniel loved this actually one of the dancers you guys had four two girls four girls I yeah okay. four four one of the girls Lauren was so scared one night we had Betsy Palmer was in the audience now you might not remember who Betsy Palmer and is. I don't so have you seen us. Friday the 13th she's, she's the mother okay she's the killer at the okay. end, remember she goes, kill her mommy, I will, Jason. I talked to her at the end of the show. The show started, I heard her over the over the wall because you could hear her over the, the wall was, didn't go all the way up to the ceiling. Sure. She said, I can't look to that side of the room. She scares the shit out of me. I can't look over there. I can't look over there. Said, oh, it's okay. Well, afterwards I thought, okay, well, let's just go with this. So after I said, Miss Palmer, I said, there's somebody, one of the dancers would love to meet you. 
backstage. She said, oh, how nice. We started in the kitchen. It was a big cake. They'd been cut up and there was a big oh. butcher knife. I picked, I said, Carrie, it'll be fun. She'll laugh. Come on. She goes, oh, no, I don't think so. I said, she'll, she'll love it. She'll think it's funny. Come on, come on. I knocked on the door. They said, who is that? I said, it's Wayne. She opens it. She goes, kill her, mommy. I Honey, she <laughs> fell in the closet, was screaming her head off. She was going to die. Poor Betsy Palmer was so put She was so mad at me. She goes, I can't believe you had me do I said, well, Lauren. And she goes, I'm going to get you later. She, she never did. But I, things like that just stick out. Little things that were funny. Are you part of the Johnny Carson anniversary party? Remind me. Did you do that party? <laughs> With, no, with, with I don't. Viva, Viva was in the show, and then they were so impressed by Madonna at the time that they had Viva. On no, the no, uh, no, that was, that was I was gone too. I had already left. I left and it was before I came back because I left for contractual disputes. Sure, <laughs> Let's so put did, it that way. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Com <laughs> yeah. Common with all of us. So when uh, you yeah, right? when you were uh, there, had you when you first started there, La Caja Fall? Had you ever seen the show before? Yes, like when, I went with a friend of mine who dated a really famous celebrity and i can't mention his name but he he was kept by someone and he was friends with my older brother and they took us there for dinner one night and he said you never know who's going to be in the audience this place is really big you know they've talked about all the drag queens and all and we were sitting across the room from somebody that was like on a tv show i just watched and something else i was like wow this is really something and we left there and i said i want to do this and my brother said you do not want to be a drag queen <laughs> and his friend Tommy said oh we'll leave him alone if he wants to do it I think he'd be beautiful I think he'd be great you should do Maryland you should do it get in the show that's when I started doing some shows at the four star saloon on Santa Monica Boulevard which is original the original Mickey's correct yeah and it, it's it was really trashy they had a show Erica was the host and there was a crippled girl named Bunny that would in a wheelchair would go up to the stage she said yep. all right everybody stand off the stage or Bunny fall off it was just horrible she was so rude <laughs> but uh I did a couple of shows there to get myself warmed up to go audition and my brother helped with the costumes because he sewed and he knew how to do the beadwork because he learned from the people at Bob Mackey's and so he made a big coat for Dolly with the word Dolly on the back in rhinestones and he took it off with the little waistless cinch tan and the gold fringe dress and then made the dress from uh, Diamonds are a girl's best friend for Maryland and I auditioned and that's how it really liked about it but that was the first big show I'd really seen was Lakash. And do you remember the people in it at the time when you saw it? I almost want to say Johnny Carson was there that night because I remember saying I remember watching him on TV. How about the, the, ca how about the cast members? Was it Gypsy was pretty hosting? Much Gypsy, was, Gypsy was hosting. Um, Clay Norris was in the show as Barbara and Bette. Uh, Bobby was in the show as Tina Turner, Aretha Franklin, and Donna Summer. Because they, they did the Enough is Enough number yeah. later, but that, not then. But when I saw it, they just did the individuals. And then I remember what really struck me is they had a really cool, the opening number was We Are What We Are from Lacage. Sure. And then the ending was always something different. It was always a really cool something to bring everybody together for the finale. Sure. And I remember going by there, walking to Bob Mackey's. I'd walk by there every day and I'd hear it. Feathers out on the patio where the feathers had blown out. <laughs> yep, they always yep, became, yep. Nobody knows if they're not listening to this. They they would get big pink a box of pink feathers and spray them, throw them out all over the floor. So when you walked in, you were walking on pink feathers. Sure, well, they get into got into the street and on the patio. But I remember walking by and thinking, oh, my God, I'm hearing one singular sensation. Every deal from Chorus Line, I'd be like, oh, my God, that'd be the neatest place to work. Then you walk by the next week and I'd be like, hello, Dolly. <laughs> well, and he's like, oh, my God, this would be the most fun place in the world. And you ended so up I, when I auditioned, I was just, <laughs> when I got it, I went home just screaming. I mean, I was so packing you, up and ready to go to Florida. Wow. So the, the, the comparables for you when you got the job were there was basically just Charles Pierce and Jim Bailey, like growing up, then that was... Pretty much. That's the ones that I really admired. And of course, mm -hmm. then by that time, uh, Victor Victoria had already been as a movie and things like, you know, kind of got your attention too and think, wow, this could be really something.
especially the class of it. That's what was really something. The class of the place was amazing. So when you left, one of the most impressive things for me with you, and I always tell him when the story is when when um, the Kosh finally closed, and you guys kind of Gypsy and you and David Michaels and Jasmine. I mean, I think you guys went out and started doing Gypsies and some sort of Gypsy. I can't remember the title, but Gypsy. You guys started doing Palm Springs show and a couple of San Diego. Yeah, yeah. yeah we did the, the, the Italian restaurant in Palm Springs was, um, what was the name of it? Um, it's now a I Mexican place, but yes, yes. I can't think of the name of it. We went there and did that quite a bit. We did the Rose Room. We did um, some individual theaters. We did some different stuff. I mean, really, you have to do something. Yep, yep. And, and, and you, I think you were kind of the, the head of that. You put that together, I think, more or less. Were you one working at Glamour? Who was working at Glamour Shots? Remember you guys My did the Glamour? Paul actually was working there. Mitzi. Okay. Mitzi, okay. And we all went to take pictures there. That was hysterical. Dan, it was so funny because now it would be no big deal. Mm-hmm. But back then, we all got in there. We got in our cubicles and people were looking around like, oh my God, these are guys. What are they doing? And about 20, 30 minutes later, they're down there going, I want to do what she's doing in the corner of his eye right here. <laughs> and they put mine in a big plexiglass frame and put it on the wall. Yeah. And guys would come in. They said, they'd say, oh, she's hot. Isn't he hot? <laughs> <laughs> and this is, in the, this is in the early 90s where there's, there's yeah. this place called Glamour Shots all over the California, if not all over the country. And they would make you up and make you look beautiful and take a picture of you and and one oh, of the waiters yeah. one of the waiters from the Kajafal worked there mitzi or paul who's a well-known uh, well, makeup listen, artist they get a housewife or... that weighs 500 pounds and make her look like she weighs 20 they put vaseline on the lens and feather <laughs> around her neck and you couldn't see anything from the neck down she looked great great sorry but it's the truth i remember i remember the night we met we did a show at i think it was called faces at the time and you said well i'm going to take this to the next level i'm going to learn how to sing and he and i remember you saying do you you know you should you should learn how to do sing too and stop and skip this whole lip stuff we should just be live singers i'm like oh girl i'd never be able to sing like george michael i'm thinking good luck if you're gonna ever sound like Cher. and for you guys that don't know wayne wayne when he does his impersonate he does impersonate Cher now and he actually sings and talks like Cher. and when you Honey, i just have to do this i can't do it all the goddamn time what do you expect out of me <laughs> and i just I mean, couldn't believe so it long now I, I don't think i could lip sync anymore i really don't i tried it the other day i looked really stupid when you put your head to it you just told me no that's what i'm gonna do i was like I'm taking singing lessons. I was like, oh, please. And then what? it must have been maybe not even a year later, you were singing and no more lip singing. It was just but like. I, but really, Dan, in, in all honesty, I really had sang like Cher before because I went to the State Fair of Texas once and I did back in the day when cassette tapes were big. I went to a booth and sang two songs and I came back with them and played them. And my mother heard it from another room. She said, is that Cher's new song? I said, no, mother, that's me. I kind of watched her so much that it just kind of seeped into my psyche that I it was, became my voice. So wow. it's pretty easy to do now. But it's like yeah. I can sing any song. I can sing like At Last or anything else at Cher. So it's like that can do, I take requests or anything else. And now. both. So speaking kind of voice and singing voice is just so remarkable like Cher. It's, it's really fun. Impressive. I really, really, really enjoy it because it's like when somebody comes and tips you, Dan, you can actually say, thank you mm-hmm. and keep singing mm-hmm. but if you're lip singing it's like you, you have to just i guess that's stupid to do this on a, on a radio interview you mouth it thank you instead of saying it there mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. why and not a lot of people do that or a lot of a lot of, lot of people you know they, they we get complacent in what we do like oh we don't do that because we'll still make the same amount of tips you know why put the effort for to 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 better ourselves they kind of get stuck in this you know complacency and uh but yeah i was really amazed when you came back and 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 you changed you changed the whole ball game it was like oh shit wayne wayne singing live now (laughs) you know it was like amazing the only bad thing is 
to that, that if you have a sore throat or if something, you have an allergy or something that does affect it. But then you just tell the people, you say, well, I, cause I did the thing in Atlantic city when I was at the Tropicana, our seat, our seating was 3,500 people a night. And I did Maryland and share both live and I got strep throat and I it learned worked. very quickly that your voice that you sing with is a lot different than what it feels. So you can actually still sing, but don't ever use that, that those typical lozenges things. It numbs your throat and you can't get any spit, so you can't sing it. And I was on stage in front of 3,500 people. And this, I almost said the B word, this woman that did Judy Garland told me to put one of those lozenges, it would help. And what so was I got the name on stage, of that show? Was, like, was that Broadway? It's Bill Lloyd, it's called Masquerade. A Masquerade, okay. And I told the audience, I said, I am so sorry. I have a, a sore throat and I, I just can't sing. And the audience just screamed and clapped. They were so nice. But it was like, wow. I was hitting notes that I <laughs> you, would, you would have heard on the three, the Little Rascals. <laughs> so that, what year was that? Because I remember that show going to Atlantic City. 2000. And who 2000. was in that show? Was that. it a mix? It wasn't all drag, was it? I can't remember. Uh, no, there was uh, Clem Zielinski, who's passed. He's gone now. He did uh, Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire. Uh, we had uh, LaWanda Jackson did Tina Turner, amazing Tina Turner. Um, we had Gary D stepped in towards the middle of the show to do Joan Rivers. He just did a segment. And then um, we had a lady, Rebecca, that did Judy Garland that I mentioned before. There was a guy, Richard DeFonzo did Liza, Liza Minnelli. Um, trying to think what else all we had. We had one of the dancers, Mel, who also has passed, did um, Ricky Martin for a little while. But it was really, it was just a wonderful show because the, the room was just amazing. To have that crew, we had a crew of like 15 to six, 7 to 18 people. Dressers, what, we had everybody. It was amazing. Which casino was? This is Atlantic City? Tropicana. The Tropicana Atlantic City. And the, the room was just, when I walked in the first time, I was like, oh my God. And what was neat about that show is that they sent a photographer to Dallas the day after Christmas to be here for a photo shoot I was going to be in the big posters and the billboards all the all everything and the whole tent uh, tents they put on the uh, slot machines mm -hmm. for advertising it was on everything and it was a picture of me and Marilyn and morphed in the middle and it said masquerade and it was a really I, I was I couldn't I was on billboards my nostrils were the size of like uh, <laughs> tires on cars I mean it was really something that's the first time I'd ever seen anything like that so I was really that was really amazing. So when you got to LA, uh, we just go back a little bit. So had you, you mentioned Four Star, had you an Odyssey, do you recall some of the first people besides Clay that you met in the Halloween? Do you recall the people you met in, that were doing drag at the time, like at Four Star or Odyssey? Um, I met Eddie Edwards. He did Bette Midler. And he and was still working in the bars because eventually he worked at La Caja Fall, right? He did. At that time, it was Halloween. That's when we met first. And that was when I actually had a store in Beverly Hills for a short period, right on Camden Drive. It was called Wayne Marshall because my middle name is Marshall. And I remember meeting Eddie at a bar. I can't remember the name of the bar, but it was right across from... Um, around the corner from Studio One, but it's right on the corner. It was a really cool bar and I can't remember it now. I'm going to ask somebody eventually what it was because I, I just can't remember it. It drives me crazy, but I met him out of makeup and we started talking. I figured out that we were the same people that we had met on Halloween as Marilyn and <laughs> Bette Midler. Well, he was trying to pick up on me and he was nothing, <laughs> nothing of my type, nothing of my type. So I basically laughed and told him, I said, I had a store in Beverly Hills and he laughed. He said, yeah, sure. I said, you want to go see it? And this is the middle of the night. He said, sure. <laughs> so he had a car, so we drove to the store and I unlocked it, turned off the alarm, and he was just absolutely shocked <laughs> that this queen had a store in Beverly Hills, one street over from Rodeo Drive. <laughs> I mean, it was really something. So th I mean, that's my memory of, of pretty much Halloween was Eddie trying to, he was trying to pick up on me. Wow. <laughs>
And any other other franchises did you ever work in, like Lacage and the, the Evening at Lacage franchise in Atlantic City or in I, Vegas? Or I didn't. Other? I auditioned for Vegas, and that's how I got the show in Aruba. And the show in Aruba was I was there for about a year and a half because I caught encephalitis from a mosquito bite. And everybody thought that I was either on drugs, which I've never done drugs in my life and never picked up one ever. I've never wanted to ever do that to the memory of my parents. I just never did it. I've never even smoked pot. I'm one of those Pollyannas <laughs> from hell. I'll drink though, by God, when they came out with flavored vodka, that caught me real good. But <laughs> I got bit by mosquito and I had to learn to walk again. I was, I was uh, in a wheelchair for a year. So I was did there and I also went I was with Bill Lloyd in one, two, three, four shows. So Bill we Lloyd was the one that went to Vienna. Austria. Vienna, yeah. yeah. Vienna, Mexico, Mexico, and Rosarita Beach, Atlantic City. We did a short tour thing with him. That's it. That's what I did a lot with him. He was a good man. I really enjoyed working with 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 him. He he was really he was really something. He and Ronnie. California is right, like San Diego or somewhere down there. No, they were from Vegas. <laughs> Oh, they were from Vegas. Okay. They were from Vegas. That's where his house was. But he did lots. He did lots of big shows. He, he did a lot of things in Brazil. I didn't ever get to go there, but I would love to have done that one. But they, they, he, he really does a spectacle. When he does a show, he really goes all out. And when you were in Aruba, do you remember the cast members there? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, let me see. It was going to be uh, Bobby Etienne was there. When I got there, they had, um, I can see his face. Some of the people I can't really remember. Now, the reason I was there is because... Um, cast member wasn't real happy and they attempted suicide and so i had to replace them and so that's when i went down there and did dolly and and share in the show but um eddie was in the show eddie edwards uh mac levant max uh maxi i always call him maxi <laughs> maxi max lonnie da now <laughs> yeah max was there um I can't remember the damn person's name now that hosted it. Uh, Ron Raymond. Ron Raymond was the host. And he did kind of a, not really Joan Rivers, just kind of a weird kind of MC. He was a strange, he was a strange bird. Was it always called Jewel Box Review or was it called the Kaj at one time down there? I, I'm not sure. When I was there, it was Jewel Box Review. I don't know if they could get the title for some reason. That's what I heard. Now, I don't know if they got it eventually, but when I was there, it was not called Jewel Box Review. I mean, it wasn't called Lagage, but it was the oh. same producer, so it didn't make sense to me. It was wonderful, but it was, it, you know, everybody thinks, oh, it's great to go to an island and be in a show. Yeah, but you do get island fever. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you really, really, there's so many electronics you can buy. <laughs> I mean, I had like 16 VCRs. When did the share impersonation start? Because you said you started with Dolly and Marilyn. When did you realize that you could look like Cher? I'm going to say something that I'd never like to admit. I did Cher on the gong show. And I was in the... With Chuck Barris? I mean, Chuck Barris. Yeah. I was like in the 11th grade, 10th grade. I did the gong show. I was visiting my brother and he goes, let's try to be on the gong show. You sound like Cher, you should do it. I said, okay. So I did All I Ever Need Is You, which is a Sonny and Cher song. Mm -hmm. Got a long black wig. He helped me make red dress and we hot, just glued sequins on it. Didn't sew them, just glued them on it. I went on the show. Well, at the last minute they said, well, you have to wear nails because Cher wears those long nails. Well, when I'm live on TV and all through the day, everybody's like, oh, well, Wayne's going to win this. This is so funny. He does Sonny and shares both voices. It's going to be really be a winner. I went like that to flick my hair and the back <laughs> of the nail wasn't and it pulled the wig off on national television. Oh, my God. But it must so have Jim been. Lockhart from the gong show, I mean, from Austin Space and Lassie, gonged me. Oh. I had to go back to high school, Dan, after that. Imagine that. I mean, fag was the least thing you were going to call me. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. Wow. But, wow. And then when I was at Lacage, I did Marilyn mostly and, and Dolly. And then one of the formers, he wasn't there very long and i can't remember his name he did um he did i am what i am the in the end number where they take the makeup off 
and he really didn't do lookalikes, but he was just really pretty. But he brought me to his house. He said, come on, I want to do your makeup like Cher. And he painted, took some pictures, and we showed Lou. Well, Lou said, no, you're the blondes. Stick to the blondes. Well, Bobby took a night off to go see Shirley Bassey, and they needed an act. And I said, Lou, if I can do all three, I'll do Cher, Dolly, and Marilyn if you'll let me. He goes, no. He said, just take Dolly out for one night and do Cher. Well, I did Cher. And it went over so well that he took Dolly out for a while. But then, Dan, the bad thing is when you do two shows a night, it's Marilyn's face, Cher's face. <sighs> well, it wasn't change. Marilyn, Cher, Cher, Marilyn. It was Marilyn, Cher, Marilyn, Cher. That was four faces a night you had to paint. So it was a pain in the ass, but it's what I asked for, so I guess so. But that's when, <laughs> that's when it really took off. It was right around when she did Turn Back Time, and that's when they put it in. It's interesting because most of the people I've spoken to so far, they, they've always seemed to have a moment when they see drag in bars, you know, way before they ever become a drag queen. When you look back now, is it probably the people that made a impression on you? Is it just the ones like Jim Bailey and Charles Pierce that you saw on TV? Are there anyone else you, you know, speak really, of that? No, really, Dan. You know what really got me was movies, like glamorous movie stars on TV, really. I mean, so not really drag Real queens. girl, real like, girls. Watching real, shows like yeah. Auntie Mame and Hello, Dolly, and, and just musicals and shows and Unseenable Molly Brown with Debbie Reynolds, things like that. I think that just the glamour and watching the Cher show on TV, that really just... I just wanted to have a piece of that, you know? And it's like, it really is, when you look back, it's no different. It's just that you use a different restroom, basically. I mean, mm -hmm. glamour is glamour. And I mean, it really, that's really pretty much what spiked it. Because I lived in, in Texas and it really wasn't, I mean, it was bars, obviously. And if I could have gone to the bars, I would have. But I really didn't get to go to the bars until, like, like I said, when I was in LA, I was old enough to go to the bars. And that was just because it was under 21. So, I mean, really, it wasn't a bar situation for me at all. It was more like Halloween, uh, movies, and like Jim Bailey and, and Charles Pierce and things like that all me melted together, I think. Did you ever have, get a chance to meet Charles Pierce? Oh, yes, honey, many a time. Darling, I'm retiring. That's always what he said. Every time I met him, darling, I'm retiring. Honey, next week he's doing a new tour. Every time. Gypsy, Gypsy and he did not get along. Oh, no. Because Charles Pierce wanted that, wanted that job real bad. Oh, wow. He wanted to be the host of Lacage really bad. So he and Gypsy would walk into French Market. It's a, a restaurant there on Cedars on Los Angeles. I'm trying to say the streets here in LA, Santa Monica Boulevard. And they just glare at each other like, Mm. <laughs> hello hello it was always horrible but yeah that was that was that was crazy did you yeah Charles Pierce was amazing do you get a chance to meet Jim Bailey I've never met him I've only heard stories and so I don't know if they're true or not but I've always heard that when he's made up he wants to be introduced talked to as the person so if he's dressed up as Judy Garland you say Miss Garland or he won't even answer you because he gets that deep in character and I'm thinking well I guess I don't know <laughs> How about once you became, once drag became a, an essential part of your career, was there anyone that you remember meeting or um, seeing once you were doing drag said, wow, I have to, uh, that you felt you wanted to aspire to be like them. Like you were so impressed with them. Like, oh, I should change something or. Yeah. A couple of times when I was around Cher, I would notice little, like, especially at her shows and things when you got to talk to her and look at her makeup, you'd see little things you want to change. And then I tried, it wouldn't work on me. <laughs> it's like your face isn't their face. You have to make your face look like that person. So it's not like you can do every single thing like them. So little things like that. But I mean, there's costumes I'd see and I'd say, like, I'm going to get that costume tomorrow for sure. And it, like you go home and you go right to the store and start getting the fabric and start making right away. How about drag queen wise? Was there any drag queens that you were thoroughly impressed with at the time? Like, wow, I want to aspire to be like them. I did Besides love, Jim Bailey and, and Charles. I loved Christopher Morley was really incredible as Marilyn. And I always loved his, the style of his, the way he dialed his wigs and everything else. And I really loved some of the makeup things that he did. He was just incredible. Luckily for me, my mother would actually style my Marilyn wigs. There was a wig store on Hollywood Boulevard and they actually asked me to, to ask my mother to style Marilyn wigs for Halloween. And she said, 
know I style for one person. So uh, Christopher Morley was really good. And there was also another one, um, the one that did Anne Margaret, Michael, Michael Andrews. Michael Andrews. I only got to meet him once because it was right before I was going to audition. I met him and that was right when he was leaving. It was, it was right in that period of time. I remember thinking, oh my God, he is so amazing and so sexy yeah such an amazing i mean completely ahead of his time like he had transported there from oh. 30 years from the future like he was when i see the pageant that you know the 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 female person of the year pageant he like yes. sticks out like a sore thumb because he looks so amazing compared to all the oh, other contestants <laughs> he was amazing he was just his the sexual aura that he had when he was doing Anne margaret was amazing and they said one night this is a story i only heard through the grapevine but it was at lacage i'm sure that they wouldn't lie about it he was on stage one night and he flipped back and his hair actually fell off and he just kept doing his number the whole time never put it back on <laughs> they said that's called a professional and i was thinking i don't think i could do the same he had a lot of a lot of fans from what i was told a lot of hetero fans i was told yeah yeah that would come in oh there. we all did honey. I, have, <laughs> I have some stories i could tell you right now but they're going to be in my book but there's there's a certain producer that wanted me to come to his house and one of my cat suit things that I wore for Cher in a blonde wig, he just, that was his fantasy. Since he gave Rolls Royces to people and things like that, I thought, <laughs> well, I'm going to get something for this or I'm not doing it. So I did go to his house and everything worked out. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, he did actually produce the Academy Awards. I will say that, but I'm not going to say a name. <laughs> it's just such a such an interesting time back then because people it's just it just oh. stirred up such weird emotions inside people that would come and see those shows and see the acceptance i think but the thing that, i yeah. think the thing that amazes me the most Dan, about all of that, that time period we never had violence we never had anybody be mean or or like it, it was just we didn't even need bodyguard bus like uh bar, bar what do you call them um bus bouncer bouncer we didn't need it and it's really funny because we what well, you did kind of raws Roz, the way Rachel, remember Roz? Yes, the big Roz, yeah. Big old Roz, that was basically our, our bouncer. We needed it. But, I mean, we never really had any ugly times. I, I don't remember any ugly times. I still think back then it was just a different time. Well, I think my personal view of the country has gone backward. Even with RuPaul's Drag Race, it still has gone backward compared mm -hmm. to the 80s and the early 90s. I mean, Lacage and all that, there's still not a RuPaul show in four or five casinos across the country. They're still not that like Lacage did. So it was just we've gone backwards a little bit, a little bit when it comes to female impersonations in the general public. Yes, RuPaul's on a major cable network, but still you don't see these high-end reviews that are across the country, across the world, like you did in the '80s. And I think too, Dan, this is going to probably get a lot of people will probably not like to hear this, but to me. There's nothing like seeing somebody impersonate a character. Any man can put on a wig and some high heels and get up there and fall down on the ground. That's great. I don't know one celebrity that does death drop. There's not one. <laughs> There's no insurance that would ever cover it, number one. Number two, I don't see Beyonce doing it. I don't see Celine Dion doing it. Cher's not going to do it. She'd break a hip. I mean, think about it. Nobody's going to do that. But it's like girls just, I just think if they put a little lip gloss on, they're a woman now. Yeah, it's a different time, different art form. And I think still the general public, you know, as a producer and when I put shows together, they, the general public still wants to see something that they can relate to, that they're not threatened by still today. Hetero men, hetero couples are not threatened mm -hmm. by someone who looks like Cher because they're like, oh my God, he looks like Cher. But if you came out as a beautiful woman, woman. Yeah, they're going to be like, oh. Sometimes yeah. they get, you know, it might stir something within him. She gets jealous still a little bit. But as long as there's... Yeah relevance to celebrities they they embrace it so much more that they i think i think that th to me i i don't really love watching a guy do a lip sync of an adele song it just doesn't thrill me until they if they look like adele that might you know but i just don't see it. just 
put on a wig and do Lady Gaga. No, look like Lady Gaga and mm-hmm. show me that. That's mm-hmm. going to make me more impressed. Mm-hmm. Or like my dad said on Geraldo, well, Geraldo, when you have a couple of scotches and look at them, they all look pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after one or two drinks, you guys all become the real celebrities but, anyway. So. <laughs> that was what Gypsy used to always say. Have a couple of drinks, we all look real. <laughs> but it, you- it's been, I, I'm honored to have been part of that show. And I think that's probably some of the happiest times in my life. I mean, I think back on it and it really was, it was just, there was no problem. You just went to work and couldn't wait to see the next celebrity walk in the door and wait for the next night to do it again. Absolutely. Highly, extremely impressionable on me for sure. Now that you're at where you're at, do you have time to, besides before the whole pandemic, I know you you host a weekly show or a couple weekly shows. I actually do five shows a week. Okay. Five a week plus private gigs. I have my days free, which is really nice, but I have a ritual from five to six. I take a nap with my 19 year old Chihuahua Aww. who's laying here right with me right now. He's, he's like an eight year old dog, but he's in great <laughs> shape. Goes up and down stairs. He's still great. But um, we take a nap. I get up, take him out, shave, shower, get ready. I give myself an hour and 15 hour, 20 minutes at the most in a costume, in the car, go to the gig. Do you get and a chance to go out when on your off days and just see a drag there and you're in Dallas? Uh, yeah, I, I do occasionally. Most of my shows end at two. That's when the bars close. So a lot of times I don't get to do it. There's one show I do that I'm ending. I end around uh, 10 o'clock at night. So I can go out and I go to a couple of things and see, but some of it just saddens me really that some of the, the new drag that they're doing now that I don't even know what they call it. It's almost like scary drag. It's yeah, like it's almost a, like it's zombie. A, new, a whole new sort of uh, art, a style. Uh, that doesn't. That doesn't. Art performance. A performance art. Right. Performance and art. I don't. I don't. I don't like it. So is there anyone in Dallas that you see currently, or that you've seen in the last year? We have, so he's we like, have wow, a, wow, we, that we have could. A, we have a queen here in town, Jada Pinkett Fox. That's what she goes by. <laughs> Jada Fox. And Jada Fox is probably a size two. She's very skinny. She's African American, and she sings like nobody's business. Wow! And she actually has done stage shows here in, in Dallas. I mean, she really, she's really, really. Believe me, she's very talented. I I think he might know it, but maybe he doesn't. But he's really he. There's a big market out there for him if he just step out and do it. If there was one thing that you see that has changed within the world of drag be- between when you started and now, what do you think has changed the most? For good or bad? For good, the acceptance is is great. Parents accepting it more and things like that, that's great. The bad, I think, is just the attitude. The attitude that they they don't have respect for people who've done it before. They think they're the best that ever was and they're, they're, there's you can't teach them anything. I tried to get on a site the other day where on Facebook. There was a guy that sings with me and he was doing drag and it was horrible. It was, and I was giving some advice. He said, okay, and he didn't say anything. Then later he wrote me back, his point, I'm just trying this. I'm not really trying to be perfect, so keep the advice to yourself. And I thought, oh, you know what I'll do? I won't watch you anymore because <laughs> I don't, don't care to help you. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean it you was... Don't, you, if you put blue eyeshadow on the top of your eye and then put it like two inches under your eye, I don't understand that. <laughs> we all, you know, we drag was around far before we were here on Earth. And I just think it's, I mean, even for me, I got in that mode where it was like, oh, no. I mean, when I started doing shows, I'm like, how would researching drag not help me obviously if i researched it and right. learned more about drag i'd respect it more and understand how i might be able to better myself as a producer so that's you know, i learn just, things you know. every all the time even still to this day i'm still learning things mm-hmm. i'll learn something i'm like wow i really like that and i look back and i'm like oh my god you went out looking like that <laughs> i look at some of my old pictures i'm like oh my god it's embarrassing but that's one of the one of the time, reasons one of the reasons i want to talk to everyone that i grew up with and, and 
and wanted to aspire to or, or knew that as performers, they were, you know, one of a kind because a lot of the people that are getting into drag, they don't realize that it has existed centuries before they ever came around, you know, and in our I generation. Lacage, I remember Lacage hearing RuPaul's song, yeah. uh, Supermodel. And I remember that. Him and coming I was in there. Doing shows long before that. Yeah, him coming in there with the album. I remember all that. <laughs> yes, and I remember thinking, "Oh my God, this is this is crazy." Yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, listen, you definitely made a mark, you know, in this generation. But drag exists far before that, and we've lived, and so many people have lived an amazing career doing this. And I think it, the world definitely has gone backwards. When for me personally, when I see it from the '80s, where there's so many Lacoste shows to hardly any really in the general casino public, there aren't really any going on. You know, now so, all you find now is lip lips yeah, is something yeah, that yeah. is comparable. I mean, it's it's something where you can go and have a good time, but it's still not. I don't think they all just do look alike. Yeah, so it's just an interesting time, but I know it's huge history before all of us, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to explore that on this podcast. So if people want to find out it, where you are at. Do you have a website or Facebook? They can see what's I, on happening. Facebook is, it's under Wayne Smith as share is my fan page. Wayne Smith as share. Cause I basically got trapped in share now because if I do Maryland or anything else, the first thing I hear within five minutes, are you going to be share later? <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, well, screw it. You know what? If that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. Awesome. Well, so that's I've... basically what I do now. And I do, I do a thing a lot called uh Karaoke, which is karaoke, and I hosted a share, and it's really, really fabulous because I have all these fans that follow me from show to show to show, and they all want to hear songs. And like during the quarantine, I've been doing them on Facebook here in my living room, and because uh, I'm not able to work, and I've made, I mean, literally thousands of dollars just on Facebook. <laughs> I'm almost thinking I may stay home. I'm making more money here. But I hear a lot of people saying that. I'm very blessed. I'm very blessed that people care enough to to do this, and they'll request. They'll say, "Wayne, can you do uh, a Disney song?" I'm like, "Sure, hell, I'll do whatever." So I do a song for them. Right away they tip good money just for you know just for their request so it is it is really nice that people care that much you've set you know definitely you know set a pace for a lot of the performers out there i mean your history you have a long history and you know what story. that means dan <laughs> that means i'm old somebody said the other day said oh wayne you're like a you're like an icon here in dallas said, yes i'm old but <laughs> <laughs> well look at i mean i feel bad that we weren't able to talk to charles in depth or jim bailey because i mean there was people that they probably aspired to be like and it think the impression that they yeah. both made in this world it would have been lovely to find out who inspired them and you know what i have heard though dan i have heard there was a queen that worked at finocchio's in san francisco and i'm pretty sure it was charles pierce that mentioned it somebody mentioned somebody in finocchio's so that might not be too hard to look up and figure it out but i remember i remember something about that because finocchio's was a big thing in in san francisco. san francisco of course of course but but no i i love the i love this i if i could change one thing i would lacage would still be open just yeah, if, a magical night and anybody that ever went there anybody i meet now to this day and they say they saw me there they're like oh my god those were the days yeah. and it really was actually incredible the rolls royces the limousines it was just everything that pulled up at yeah, that nothing, place nothing ever like it since and uh, definitely a huge history for us both yeah. i appreciate well, I, I i appreciate you talking to me wayne honey i love it thank you very much for having me and i'll see you in the next 70 years right <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you my next my next goddamn farewell tour. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wayne Smith, everyone. Thank you, you Wayne. Thank you, thank you very much for calling. Okay, and you be good and stay safe. Okay. Thank you for sharing your story with us. All right, baby. Thank you. All right, bye, bye baby. And remember, you all, my restaurant and entertainment venue, Oscars in downtown Palm Springs, where entertainment is on hold currently per COVID restrictions, but we are serving some great food most weekends, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. For a lovely meal and a lovely atmosphere, check out my restaurant, Oscars in downtown Palm Springs. We'll see you all there.
Thank you for listening to Icon's Incredible Creation on Stage podcast, hosted by Dan Gore. If you would like to know more about our wonderful host, follow Dan Gore at facebook.com slash lookalikes and at Oscars Downtown Palm Springs. If you enjoyed what you heard, hit subscribe and leave us a review. A new podcast every other week. Until then, have an iconic day.